What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's been a while. Definitely, it's been some days now. Uh, sorry I'm not as consistent as I once was uh, before uh, everything got erased from my uh, my other chapters I had, but I'm going to keep coming back either once a week or whatnot, <clears throat> sometimes twice a day when I have the time, but let's get back into it. We were... Let's see where we were at. We were, uh, I should have listened to the last chapter. I just didn't want to get no views to go up for, you know, the listening. So I try to remember what I listened, uh, what I recorded. Uh, I think we were at, uh, going to Natchog Hospital next to, uh, UConn, University of Connecticut in stores. So... I think I was at the part where we had a uh, meditation time and there was a lot of foolery going around, going on, you know, during that time. You know, these girls might be going through shit to, I want to say, gain attention or, you know, craving attention. Uh, and that's the way me and a couple of other kids that stayed there viewed it. There were kids older than me. Uh, mind you, I told you I was in a teenage ward. There's a younger ward as well for kids from like, I think, 6 or 5 to 11 or something like that. And then uh, there's a, the adults. They have a, their own ward. And then you have people that seek help from outside that come in there for the, the NA meetings, the AA meetings and whatnot. So, uh, you know... They, um, the girls were just regular. They were just girls that basically, I felt, were just want to help. Help as in just attention. Someone to listen and, and guide them and be there for them. There was no one that I can say that was, like, mentally fucking crazy. You know, and that's from my own observation and living there for those almost, what, five to six months, I think, or four months of staying there. Waking up with these same people every day. Uh, I think a lot of the nurses and doctors over-exaggerated on people's conditions. Because as I sat there for those months, I could have even been there longer than that. But thank God I had a surgery in place. I had to go attend to a, 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 a surgery that was, uh, you know, well needed. So... But, you know, as an adult looking back and even remembering throughout all the years, like a lot of these kids that I was uh, in inside that psych ward just needed someone to sit down with them and talk to them, a hug, you know, someone to care for them, you know, and that's where a lot of them wasn't getting. I'm not saying I can uh, solve all their problems, no, because there was others as well, but it wasn't, it wasn't to the point where they needed to be, uh, over medicated, you know, it just didn't make no sense. And I understand every doctor that prescribes something gets a percentage, especially if it's on their, uh, they got paid through that uh, label. You know, like a lot of doctors, are like, look, I'm gonna switch up this brand to this because it's new and it's good. That doesn't mean it's good. And if you've been taking a certain pill for that long and it hasn't been affected, it hasn't affected anything. There's no side effects to it and it's working for you. Don't switch up. 
Because these where the doctors get paid for shit to have you switch on something that's not beneficial, is not healthy, and you can suffer. So just remember that. Yeah. And do your research on what you actually put into your body. Don't be a yes man when it comes to doctors saying you need this and you need that. Alright, there's other alternatives and I'm not dismissing medication or whatnot. I'm saying don't just say yes okay and then pop it in your mouth or inject it or whatever however y'all take drugs nowadays. I feel like a lot of shit is mind over matter. I think a lot of people cry for attention and they do the stupidest things or they make the wrong decision basically to obtain that. Uh, now there's some people that are mentally fucked up, you know? And I, I mean, those we, we need to, you know, do better. But I'm not out here talking about what can be done or whatnot. That's just my outlook on that. <clears throat> um, a lot of kids miss their mothers or whatnot, miss their siblings, uh, just miss being. So a lot, of, a lot of us, even myself, acted up, you know, days at where we just felt, you know, claustrophobic. Just felt like we just wanted to get out. We wanted to feel and live a regular life. So, you know, there was a lot of, uh, there was girls there, like I said, 12 and up. And there was this one girl, Spanish girl, that I came across. And, you know, she was cool. She had a little attitude or whatnot. But uh, she was very attractive. And finally, towards my end of my stay... Um, we was going steady, yeah, going steady, being boyfriend and girlfriend in a psychiatric place, right, that doesn't even sound right, but yeah, um, she was cool, whatnot, um, you know, my last day there, walked into a room, the staff allowed me to, they didn't really allow me to, I just told him, look, I'm leaving regardless, I'm getting discharged, so there's no way of getting in trouble for this, I'm gonna go say bye, and he was like, all right, hurry up. Like, hurry up, I don't want to get in trouble. And I walked into the room, and, you know, we started smooching. And, uh, you know, I said my goodbye to her. <clears throat> and uh, that was that, you know. Hopped in the ambulance, went to go forth with my uh, my surgery. So now I have my, uh, my serious uh, surgery <clears throat> on my heart. And I needed to uh, leave out the hospital. Now, mind you, I'm in, like, the worst fucking pain ever, like, excruciating pain. Um, 12 years old, never had any type of surgery, and they cut me open big time. I still got the biggest scar to show. Uh, and I started slouching after the surgery where now I have a slouch. You know, like, I'm leaning towards a different way. So... I couldn't put no weight or even equal the weight out because it hurt it so much. There was no way in hell that I could have had my body um, equally balanced. Number one, I'd be stretching the new skin that was forming when I was healing. And on top of that, the, the staples and uh, the freaking, um, I don't know why I want to say thread, <clears throat> but stitching uh, that they put. So it was hard, so I'm always at a lean. Uh, and still to this day, I have, like, my back is just not the same. And, uh, it's sensitive to, <clears throat> like, touch. So, 
I had my surgery. Uh, spent about two and a half weeks in the hospital recovering. Uh, and then uh, my social worker had me a little quiet foster home out in Bloomfield. I stayed out there for about two weeks. <clears throat> I was so ungrateful and just being bratty and I used to like cry in the middle of the night because it, the pain was just unbearable. It was just freaking crazy pain. And I needed my pillow always switched a position because, you know, you just start to sink or you move accidentally in your sleep, you know. <clears throat> so I'm like uncomfortable. It's really hurting. And she used to get so annoyed with me. You know, I thank her for just tending to me because I never really looked at it like I'm looking at it now. This lady cared for me, but all I cared for was trying to watch cable because I was so sick of watching Channel 3, Fox 61, you know, the non-cable stations, the one that you hook up the antenna to your TV and get those free stations. Yeah, well, back in the day, it used to just be like three, maybe four tops. And it was the same shit, Price is Right. Um, what you call it? You got the Price is Right, and then you had the other game show. What the fuck was out the game show? Well, maybe it was just the price is right. And then you had stories, the fucking soap opera shits, which are depressing. I see no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself, it's like work living shut up myself. I'm tired of being poor and even work some black. I started curb soon because of all cops give a damn about a key. Alright, hopefully you can hear me because someone's calling me. I don't know who it is. But I'm definitely not picking up. Uh, anyways, trying to wait for the ringing, okay, it stopped, sorry about that, y'all, um, damn, I lost train of thought, definitely lost, so the lady's taking care of me after surgery, and I was just, you know, being ungrateful, and I just wanted out of there, I wanted out of there where, um, finally, I was allowed to leave there from that residence and they found me a foster home with my brother so I'm back in Hartford and we're staying in Hartford and uh this house was a uh he was a pastor and uh you know his wife and they had a nice gated little house in Hartford uh um basically he, they were older but uh I didn't know what I was walking into until we got there. So this guy was like the very, very cheap. He um, rarely spent any money. I remember us, um, we had a church field trip, which I, I enjoy these from churches um, that take their congregation and rent out like a, a Greyhound bus and they all go to New York and just spend a day with each other, congregating and whatnot and just getting away from... You know, because I've been to a couple of churches where they did that. There was another church that uh, we went to Pennsylvania to go visit, like, uh, his church where he was a kid at and fellowship with his church that he attended to. Now he's a pastor, you know, and it was good. It was good meeting different people and networking. I thought it was cool. All right, so, anyways, uh, it's dead it's probably like October. It's cold as shit. It's cold outside. Especially if you're up north. October, late October, middle October, it gets cold. Especially fucking Halloween. It's cold, it's windy. Anyways, he gives us 
$50 a piece to go shopping out there. Mind you, we've been staying here for a couple months now. Mind you, he gets per kid probably five to $600 per kid a month. And all me and my brother got was $50. Where he had other foster kids too, but they were older. But they were still attached to him. Like they were grown. They had their own kids or they were 20 something. So when they found out that we only got 50 bucks to go spend in New York City, leaving, you know what I'm saying, leaving little ass Connecticut to go to the city, uh, I think we was going to Queens. Went to Queens on Jamaican, Jamaica Avenue, I think. But this is like middle 90s. And uh, the daughter had money. I guess they gave her a lot of money to go shopping and shit. And she bought us jackets. While we were out there, because we had no jacket on, we only had hoodies. And these hoodies was not thick and it was very cold that day. So fucking, she bought us jackets when we first got to New York. So me and my brother had these nice little puffy uh, Reebok jackets. And, uh, and the, the style was back then were the, uh, the bucket hats, the, you know, so he had a black, no, I had a black Reebok. He had a blue Reebok jacket, the same jacket, but it was a decent winter jacket. So I got a fatigue, a black and white fatigue, uh, bucket hat. Everybody used to, uh, put the flap on the side, lift it up. You know, that was the cool thing to do <laughs> back then. And, uh, my brother had a, uh, like a, a blue jean fatigue one to go with his. So we was out there styling, you know, feeling good. But the only thing is we really couldn't get much out there in New York with 50 bucks. And we were kids on top of that. So we was trying to figure out how the fuck can we, um, make this 50 just, you know, get, get everything that's worth it. So... I remember, I had my months off too, my bad, this is like November, because Christmas was coming up, and <clears throat> I talked to my mother, she was on a run, but I talked to my mother, and she was telling me how her favorite artist is genuine at the time, which I thought was a little bit like, why would you tell me your favorite artist is genuine, but she loved Pony, and uh, you know, at the time, you're a kid, you're just listening to because everybody's listening to this shit, but uh, you know, I knew what he was saying, but it didn't hit. As hard as it hits now, if I play it, especially around, you know, I got a little daughter and shit, I wouldn't play that song around her, you know? So for a little fucking 13-year-old boy now in uh, New York City about to go buy his mother uh genuine fucking pony, you know? And back then we was buying cassettes. It wasn't uh, CDs really that popular at the time. So we, I got the um, the single... You know, the single comes like a dollar or a dollar ninety nine, depends. And you know, other side it might have the instrumental, and on the other side they have the original recording, or it might have like a, a single they're trying to promote off the album. You know, so they'll have that as on a B side. You know, so I bought that tape, and then I bought Foxy Brown versus Lil Kim. I bought that tape cassette because I just want to l listen to some females spitting, you know, who was the hottest at the time, and it was just a lot of talk in the streets and shit, so I bought that, and then I bought another, a couple mixtapes, because I had a, had a Walkman anyway, so I bought those items, uh, bought some food, it was, it was a good time, you know, bonded well with the brother, my brother, and, uh, you know, just all the church, uh, kids and shit, so on the way back, 
from New York going home, we're on a Greyhound, or this big bus basically that resembles a Greyhound, and uh, there was one of the girls from church that was a little older than me, and she sat next to me, so you know, I'm, she's probably like 16, I'm 13, but I didn't care. So, as we're going back to Connecticut, I take off my jacket because it started getting hot in a bus. And I put it on my lap as a blanket. And all I feel is her hand reaching in my pants and started jerking me off. I'm like, wow, these church people are freaks. Like, real talk, church people are freaks. You know, they, they love it just as bad as somebody going to the club horny as hell trying to fuck, you know? Fucking so. We in the Greyhound, and she's fucking jerking me off the whole ride. Mind you, I never bust a nut, but it's feeling good. But it's a little bit amateur-like, you know? There's, there's no nothing. There's no, you know, lotion, Vaseline, conditioner. I don't know, you know, but there's none of that shit there. It's straight dry in a motherfucking winter season. And, you know, she was impressed by the size and all that goodness. But anyways, we're not going to sit here and talk about shit like that. Anyways, we make it back to Connecticut. Everybody hops in their car in a big-ass uh, shopping par- parking lot, and we disperse and go home. Now, during my stay with the pastor and his wife, there was it was weird because as I'm walking through the house hungry, I go down to the kitchen and I make a peanut butter and a jelly sandwich. As I'm walking past our room, just a little late night snack, you know, me and my brother talking, I just, you know, hungry. So as I pass the room, they call my name, I look inside the room, and he's laying down on a bed with his wife. And he looks me dead in my face and he says, can you go downstairs and cook me a steak and make it medium well? I said, what? <laughs> so there's a steak in the refrigerator, can you throw it? I don't care if you throw it in the oven or what you call it, but can you cook it for me? I said, I don't know how to cook. And I said, I know how to do small things like pasta. Basically, that's about it. That's all I knew at that time was pasta. So, I'm going to make a cake too, but I ain't, you know. So, he started getting upset. He's like, you don't know how to make a steak? What are you good for then? Like, he was really pissed off. And I just looked at him like, what the fuck is your problem? Look, you know, like, who the fuck are you? I just you know, kind of lightly slammed his door and walked off like, who the fuck is this asshole? You know, asking a fucking 13 to cook him a fucking steak. And I just walked to the room like, man, close the door. I'm like, I'm always getting set up with these weird-ass foster families, you know? Like, the people are just weird. Either they're abusive because they can or fucking, you know, you just got these weirdos. Like I said, mind you, I kind of fucked it up with Duke. Did I just say your name? I did. But ain't nobody gonna catch that. So, <laughs> that's not his real name. Um, but that was when I was throwing eggs at the girl's feet and shit. That foster home. It was it was good. It was good, though. You know, it was a good foster home. He gave me anything I needed. Um, he was a cool dude. I kind of, when trying to do right, it seemed like always something fucks up with me. It's like, that's always a curse. So like, when I'm trying to do good, up here comes fuck up. But as I got older, I'm like, damn, that's life. And I was just experiencing that shit a little too, too fucking early as a kid just because of the circumstances. Anyways. So, now, my brother 
he got kicked out because uh, they got into an argument. And he, mind you, my brother's bigger physically, and you know he's older, so he had an argument with them, and they kicked him out. So now I'm there by myself, and weeks go by, and I'm just like a little depressed. You know, my brother's gone again, and it fucking sucked. So one day, I see a friend that lived across the street, and he had a couple girls he was walking with, and this is my brother's friend, really. So he brought them over to the house, because they, the foster family used to just live in church. And when I got home from school some, t- some days, they just wasn't there, or they would leave right when I'm coming in. And I would just tell them I got a lot of homework to do, and I need to... Um, you know, do something outside or some type of science shit so I couldn't be next to the church or whatever. So they bought it and always left me, you know. But this time I had the group of friends in there. And long story short, we're all chilling in the house, conversating, watching TV. Everybody leaves like hours later. I go upstairs, you know, lock up the doors, go upstairs, go to bed. I wake up the next day, go downstairs to eat. You know, she usually, the wife usually cooks breakfast in the morning, and there's no breakfast. So I pour myself a bowl of cereal, and I didn't think nothing of it. And they said, uh, you got to pack your stuff up. You're out of here. I'm like, for what? And I was like, because I had a phone call from somebody from Cincinnati saying that you're a prank call in their house. And I started to look back like I never touched a phone yesterday. And I'm like, oh, when I had the company over, somebody must have called Cincinnati on their phone multiple times. And they called back. So that kind of hit me in my ass because now I'm getting blamed for somebody else's fuck up. And I got to take the heat. So I had to go upstairs, pack up my shit, wait for my social worker to come pick me up. waiting for him to pick me up and I started getting into an argument with the foster father, the foster family whatever guy and right when the social worker's pulling up he's like lifting up his hand thinking about striking me, mind you he's old I, I, at my age and my body strength I would have knocked him in his fucking face you know, and I'm not out here bullying or thinking that I'm invincible cause nah but at that time, and just the circumstances, yeah, I could have knocked him on his ass. Um, social worker seen the arm go up, and he's coming in and dropping, beeping the horn, and he stops. He gets out the car, looks at the guy, where's his stuff at? And he's like, oh, it's right here. He's like, all right, grab your stuff, let's go. So, <clears throat> finally the lead, that falls to home. On a ride to the DCF office, I really don't even talk about the situation because it wasn't much to me. It was just, I wish he would. My social worker, on the other hand, is like, okay, I see that, you know, he's not really telling stories. He's in abusive foster homes verbally or mentally or physically. He's not sugarcoating shit. Now he's finally seeing, he's finally seeing that his work is a little bit more serious than displacing a kid. It's the the safety of the kid as well. And it's not from his own family. Well, some part it is. Like I said, with my, my uncle and my aunt.
well to the office. They're looking, searching for a place with open bed. And they find one. <clears throat> I'm going back to the shelter, the youth shelter in Hartford. So, I grab my stuff, put it in a DCF car. Back in the day, they used to drive like four tempos. And they used to have this big-ass fucking state of Connecticut emblem on the side doors. So imagine driving around in a fucking shitty-ass Ford Tempo. And you're driving down the street with your DCF worker and your friend or one of your schoolmates. Just so happen to look to their left and see you in a car with your fucking social worker. They're going to put two and two together because those are the only cars back then that had the big-ass fucking state symbol on them. Yeah. So it was kind of embarrassing. Like everybody knew who the fuck he was or what he was going through. So, but that switched up later in the years. But yeah, back then it was, uh, <laughs> and a lot of social workers used to be nasty. Like they used to like rent out the cars, basically, or sign for the car. And a lot of people used to just leave the cars a mess, smelling like shit. Like these social workers is just fucking disgusting. So, put that on the record. Anyways. So we're driving to the shelter, and my social worker finally gave me, like, the first pep talk I ever had. And for some reason, I just felt like he was attached to me and my brothers in our cases, or our, our case. Because we're going on, what, four years now I had the social worker. And, uh, yeah, he's starting to get used to us. And uh, he's starting to understand that our situation is not the greatest and we're just trying to work with what we got. But it seems like it's not working out in our favor. Alright, sorry. I had to handle some things. So I had to pause it. But I'm back now. <clears throat> so, I went over to the youth shelter. And I unpacked my bags. And... Same old shit, you know. But I definitely... Back then, I enjoyed this youth shelter because <clears throat> my, I say this is my second time there. Uh, they used to do a lot of things with the kids. They try to get them out the neighborhood. Um, they brought us to like far parks in Connecticut. Um, stuff that inner city kids wouldn't even see or get to know until they're older and they can drive out and see it for themselves. But uh, a lot of staff are from all over. You know Connecticut in different parts, so they used to bring us to what they knew, and it was a good uh, sharing experience. You know, I I can't lie. I used to see uh, apple fields, and we used to go to these little creeks and go on um, hiking trails. You know, we always had like movie night Friday, uh, slumber party in the living room, but it wasn't really a slumber party. Like we'll stay up and watch movies until like one or two. And then we have to get up and go to our rooms after. So it was like we couldn't just sleep in the fucking TV area, which that's a true slumber party. But all in all, it was cool. You know, it was a good experience. They tried to give us like of that feeling of not feeling like we're we're not normal. You know, like or, or we don't have a normal life. To this is what you know. If you were had parents, whatever, this is what they would do or do for you: take you out, show you things. Uh, you know, just have that bonding time. But really, the whole bonding experience was with the people that I lived with, you know, the other kids. 
staff would just walk off and do their own thing, you know, or just supervise. It was their job, you know. So that important piece was always missing, you know, because we never had a staff that got too close with kids because there's a lot of situations that occur in places, you know. So they just had to do their job and make sure that they showed somewhat a little love from a distance, you know. So, everything was going fine there until uh, I met this staff. And he had like this deformed head, this Italian dude. He, he drove a fucking IROC Z, you know, fucking. It was stupid. It was stupid of the consequence I got. But I got in trouble when I had to stay in my room and I was throwing like broken crayons out the window, just flinging them, you know, for no fucking reason, but just, <clears throat> and they were watching me on camera do this, they were watching the crayons just fly over the window, and the guy tried to say I hit his car, and I, um, like, dinked it up, got a little dents and stuff from a crayon, and I'm like, dude, nah, that's, that's not crayon material, and some of the wax would have rubbed off on it, how can a crayon chip paint and make a dink like that, it does, I've done like that, it doesn't make no sense, but he, he was a fuck dude, because he didn't like me for some reason, I didn't like him, we always bump heads, so this was the perfect time for him to get me, and which I was gotten, basically, and he got me, because they got me on camera throwing crayons out the fucking window, you know, but none of the crayons really hit the car, it bounced and hit like the fucking tire on the ground, it wasn't even aimed towards the car, so... <clears throat> I got in major trouble for that. They gave me, I mean, thousands of hours of community service so I could repay off the car and get it, the dents, uh, hammered out, supposedly, at a new paint job. So, <clears throat> I remember, um, I left. I left there, I ran away from there. After I got in trouble, they closed my bed down. They put me in a foster home for about three to four days. And I didn't like this foster home at all. I didn't even have the time to give them, to get to understand them and know them. I packed my shit up and ran away from them. So that was another place that I just didn't really care about. So from there... I needed a place to stay, so I ended up back at DCF doorsteps, hungry and just exhausted. Um, <clears throat> at this time, I'm 15, going on 16. Actually, I'm, I'm 16. They uh, call up places. Mind you, I've been probably out the shelter now and on a run, sleeping at a friend's house and shit like that, just trying to live for a couple months now. Um, like I said, um, I get back to the shelter, say, in the winter time. So now I'm at the shelter again, and my mother. She's out of jail, but she's on the streets again, fucking up. She comes visits me inside my place. And when I tell you, I never felt like a little child so low 
you know, as I'm in this place, I got a reputation, it's, you know, kid shit, um, you know, walking with my chest out, you know, I'm one of the cool kids, um, you know, just a little older now, girls liking me, you know, that type of whole reputation, just trying to keep and whatnot, you know, punk, when she came through to come see me, she had fishnet stockings on, and they were broken, she had like a short skirt, some pumps on, her face looked like Skeletor, just skeleton-like, fucking, um, she just looked super duper high, and, uh, her eyes kept rolling back as she was talking to me, always trying to fix her face, you know, just doing too much, like, when someone's under the influence, they just gotta move, they gotta touch something, they gotta be, you know, just a jitterbug, just all over the place, and that was her whole thing, it was like she was, you know, she was like, has energy for 30 seconds, then it goes back to droopiness, energy for 30 seconds, then it back to droopiness, it was just weird, now all the kids in my place, you know, that were at the placement, they're seeing my mother for the first time, they're witnessing, damn, Mind you, all these kids got shit fucked up in their family. A lot of them can relate. A lot of them are just like, wow, you know, that's your mother. You know, it was very embarrassing. That shit fucked me up. Um, certain staff, you know, that looked at me was just like, damn, yeah. I didn't know. But they see me actually break down to a child, basically, as in happy to see my mother, but not that big young man that they seen walking around that placement. So that really broke me. And uh, as you hear me talk about it, yeah, it still kind of annoys me, would not affecting me a little bit. Not gonna lie. But it was great to see her, though. I haven't seen her in a while. So we sit there, we talk, and, you know, I gave her a couple of dollars what I had, she asked, uh, and that was it, you know, that was my little lockup money, trying to save up, but if she needed anything, I always came out of my pocket and gave it to her, gave her the biggest hug, she gave me a kiss, and she vanished, disappeared again. Now... I just turned 16. I'm 16. A couple days passed by. And me and my roommate are in a room. And we're just talking and shit. And the staff just, you know, they knock on the door. They use the key to open up your door. And inside the room, like I said, there's a two-bedroom. They got two desk chairs. They got two dressers. They got two closet cubby type things. And a bathroom. A full bathroom. Sink, toilet, shower. No bathtub, though. Stand-up shower. And, uh, you know, she comes into the room, and my roommate's talking to her, and we're starting to say shit's her, be funny, and I guess she thought this was funny, but it wasn't. It was pretty cruel. But, and she meant it with, you know, with, uh, negative energy. She turned to me and said, your mother doesn't know when to say no. 
Oh, that shit affected me so bad when she said that shit. Mind you, me and my roommate were talking shit about her too, but we, I didn't think she'll come back with the lowest blow and dip into my chart and start, you know what I'm saying, exposing some of my shit that I'm going through. So now at this point, I'm fucking furious because you're disrespecting my mother. You know, you don't even know us like that. Who the fuck are you, you know? And I'm get, I'm telling her, get the fuck out the room, just send a third leave, calling all types of names or whatnot. I'm just, now I'm in just red mode. And I'm arguing with her, you need to shut the fuck up and mind your business. And this, I mean, I'm just, ugh, a lot of shit. And she, she knew what she was doing because she's like, I got him where I want him. She purposely did that. She purposely pushed that button where she knew I was going to fucking erupt and she found it and she did it. And I'm just going off the rails now. You know them little office uh, trash cans? The little, little bin. Like little tiny trash cans that they have. Well, one was in the hallway and I kicked it. And when I kicked it, because I was talking so much, whatever, just infuriated, I kicked the damn trash can and it flew over her head. It wasn't like I intentionally, I kicked it, but I didn't know that the kick was, you know, it's like if you kick a football and you have no experience of kicking a football, you don't know really which way it's going to go. You can kind of feel it off your foot, but sometimes that shit's going to go left, right. It's like kickball, you know? You don't know where the fuck that ball's going to go sometimes when you kick the motherfucker, but it goes, and that's what happened to the trash can. And it flew overhead, and... Mind you, I'm still arguing, yelling at her, because I didn't, I wasn't thinking nothing of it. And uh, she uh, went to the office, closed the door, and talked amongst other staff members on what uh, what she should do, which I already knew what she was going to do, and she did. She called the cops. Mind you, I'm 16. She pressed charges. Um, against me so I can go to jail I go to jail Uh, I'm in jail for about a week now sitting there I'm 16 so they got me in the youth tier of a jail called the Meadows in Hartford and they wear white jumpers at that time I don't know now because I haven't really been back to jail I think it's a waste of fucking time and nobody needs to be making money off me. So, um, I'm in a jail, 16, literally the day after my birthday. The officer is saying happy birthday to me as he putting cuffs on me. And take me to jail. So now I'm in jail. I do a little week. from there I go to court my beds closed down at the shelter I assume with that when I was in jail my first couple nights so they don't have nowhere to put me nowhere so they put me in a halfway house So, I have, at a charge, they didn't charge me with assault or anything like that. They charged me with 
breach of peace. Breach of peace, I think, is a 60 to 90 day um, full time served, you know, if mandatory serving time or something like that. So I go into a halfway house where I meet a whole bunch of parolees, probation, just, you know, and to be honest, I meet my childhood friend. Well, I meet a dude in there that we became friends, and since to this day, we're still friends. Like, I still see him. You know, we still talk and shit like that. And I met him in the halfway house. He was there for selling weed in high school, and he was 16, got caught with some weed at school. He came from a good town, though, good home. Me, on the other hand, I was just a DCF kid moving all around, getting in fucking trouble, getting kicked out of places and stuff. And now I'm there, you know. And he did about you know, 30 days there, and then he left. And, you know, when you got the company you got, and then it disappears, it's like, oh, shit, here we go back to square one. So I do about two months at this halfway house. Finally get my court date. I go to court. They let me out. They let me into a Spanish uh, Spanish family in Hartford, a foster home there. So now I'm in the South End on Hillside. Nope, I'm not Hillside's the other street. I'm on Zion Street. The, the foster home was on Zion Street. And I'm over there in this foster home on Zion Street in Hartford. And uh, this family was different because they uh, had rules. Like Sunday, you could not go nowhere couldn't watch TV, it was family day, you just had to be all around family the whole day or some shit, and I told him, listen, no disrespect, on my third day when he explained this to me, but, uh, I don't, I got my own family, you know what I'm saying, I don't consider you family, so I'm not gonna chill with you guys, you know what I'm saying, like, I'm gonna go see my brothers and my family, and he felt like that was disrespectful and shit, but, uh, at this time, I'm like, yo, bro, you can't, I'm fucking 16, like, you cannot force me to fucking be with your family on Sunday, when, nah, that's, they're forcing me, I, I just wasn't ready for that shit, you know, I was going through my own little shit, and I'm still trying to reconnect with my brothers and my mother, you know, so I didn't take the time out to try to understand what he was trying to provide, maybe it was teachings of, this is what, you know, certain situations of family, I, mean, I don't know what it was, all I know is I, I didn't have the time for that, so, and then he used to smoke in the basement, so I smoked cigarettes, I used to go down to the basement and smoke, but he knew that he wasn't the only one smoking down there, because he used to see fucking Newport butts, and he smoked Marlboros, so, you know, you kind of see your own cigarette butts down there. Then you look around, you see Newport's like, who else? Who the fuck else is smoking? So that's how he found out I was in a, in a basement smoking cigarettes. And, uh, I, you know, I was told through, he had kids too. He had like two or three kids living in the house. And the kid was like, yeah, he had other foster kids smoke, but they were older. And uh, on top of that, you know what I'm saying? He didn't mind. And I'm like, he wouldn't allow me to do it because I was 16, I wasn't 17, which that didn't make no sense. So it was just a lot of shit that was being said that, you know, I ain't really like. He's trying to force his rules, and I'm just trying to live and be around my family. But it seemed like people was trying to, in my eyes, how I felt, people was trying to kind of prevent that from happening. 
I guess they figured, you know, it wouldn't be healthy for me because of, you know, my mother's ways or maybe my brothers were getting treatment and being worked on to do better. You know, I don't know. But uh, I was just, I just wanted my family. This shit was stupid. So I left out of the house on that Sunday the family that wanted to, you know, have family day. I left. I went out. I seen a couple of my friends. We got drunk as hell. Um, got high as fuck, smoking weed. And I went back to the house. And I'm just zigzagging, swaying. And they start talking to me. And I walk right past them, ignoring them. I went to the bathroom. So I'm in the bathroom. I'm in the bathroom. And I'm pissing. And then I'm like, man, I'm just going to chill in the bathroom for a little bit. I open up the window and start smoking a cigarette out the window. So after I'm done... I walk out the bathroom and shit, and he can smell the cigarette smoke. He's like, you smoked in my house? You smoked in my bathroom? I was like, nah, I didn't. I had a clip cigarette from outside. And he's like, hey, man, I told you, man, you can't smoke over here. You're not 17. I'm like, what's the point, man? I was like, it don't make no sense. So, the next day, my social worker comes, picks me up, and says, your public defender for your case needs to speak to you at the fucking courthouse. They take me to court, right? To the courthouse so I can go speak to my public defender. Uh, I don't even know why I fell for this shit. My bill's bondsman. I still remember her. Uh, this black female. I'm going to say her name because she was in the West Coast. Her name was Gina C. She worked for... Uh, Gina Clay, I believe. She worked for a uh, fucking... What's that street that I used to, They had court over there. Oh, yeah. Washington Street. They had... Uh, it was like... The minor cases and shit. They, they went over to that one. And then the bigger cases went across the street to Lafayette Street. So they had two courthouses right across from each other. And... Uh, I went into her office and we started talking about my placement and stuff. And she was like, look, I don't have time for this. You're going to listen to your social worker. You're going to, you know, like listen to these people. You're trying to tell them what to do. I was like, no. Mind you, I didn't know this lady. I didn't know this woman. But I guess she felt like she can show me some tough love. And she's like, you know what? Let's go talk to the judge about this. And I'm like, what? I'm like, the judge? I'm thinking we're going to go into his chambers and I can explain my side. And I'm like, I don't even know why this even, this is even relevant. Like, I have a breach of peace case. Like, this has nothing, my, you know, has nothing to do with this shit. So DCF was trying to get the courts intertwined with my case and trying to have me not, not be a hothead and get in trouble. And they felt like I was causing too much trouble everywhere I went. So, went in front of the judge and the judge just looked at me and was like, oh, you don't want to listen to your social worker. This and a third. All right. Back to jail. What? Back to jail? Nah, I haven't been to jail in almost two months and like a couple weeks, I guess, the timing. Mind you, I did a week in jail. Then I went to the halfway house. Get out the halfway house. Go to the foster family for like a week. Get kicked out of the foster family, the Spanish family that want me to spend quality time with them on Sunday. Get kicked out of there. Go to court with no court case, no court date open, you know, because they was going to dismiss my case. 
basically brought me in front of the judge and locked me up. So now I'm in the back of the holding um, behind court, and they got me held there. Little did I know, they went to the house to take all my belongings out, my social worker. And guess where they put me at? I wasn't going to jail, y'all. They put me right back in the halfway house. So all the people I said bye to and fuck you and I'm never going to be back here and y'all motherfuckers have a good life. Guess what? I ended right back at the fucking halfway house a week and a day later. Everybody's looking at me like you can't be serious. How the fuck did you get back here? So now I'm doing a fucking almost a month there. I'm doing almost a month there at the fucking halfway house. And finally I go back to court and I have no problems in the halfway house. I was going to school and uh, they dropped my case because they had to. It was way over time limit. And I was so happy for that. But they they did some type of bullshit extension. They said we're going to put you in your next placement and after 15 days if we have no you didn't get in trouble or anything, your case is closed. So I had to do 15 days without getting in no trouble. So as I leave out the courtroom, I look at my social worker and he's laughing because when they told me I had to go back to jail, I started yelling in the court at the, at the judge like, yo, yo, your honor, you ain't even hear me out. Listen to what I got to say, man, because this is some crap. You don't even want to listen to them. And the, um, the sheriffs are dragging me out the fucking courtroom as I'm trying to talk to the uh, judge. And he, my social worker thought that was the funniest fucking thing he ever seen. And he talks about it with his colleagues until this day. I'll tell them the story about me in court trying to plead my case while I'm getting dragged out. Um, so, yeah. Now we're out the halfway house and we're back at the DCF office. And we're sitting there and sitting there. And finally, the social worker comes to me and says, Okay, grab your stuff. We got a place for you. We hop in the car. We're driving. And I noticed that we're still in Hartford. So I'm like, we're not on the highway. You know, I'm thinking we're somewhere far out now. Nope. He sticks me right back at the shelter where it started at. Yup, you guessed it. The Salvation Army Shelter in Hartford, Connecticut. I am back there as a resident once again in the kids' shelter. Oh, man. This is going to be interesting. I'll see you next chapter.